Hey, everybody. This is Frankie from the Breakpoint Podcast. We want to thank you all for tuning in to Marcus and I discussing our love and passion for the game of tennis. Your engagement and support goes a long way to helping this podcast continue to grow. Please be sure to give us a follow, rate our podcast on our social channels, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, or any other place that you get your podcasts. And on social media, Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast 7, Twitter at Breakpoint Pod 7, LinkedIn, and of course, our website, podpage.com forward slash break dash point dash podcast. Remember to subscribe to our podcast so you're the first to know when there's a new episode drop and more people like you can find our podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Breakpoint Podcast, starring myself, Frankie, and my co-host, Marcus. And on today's episode, we are going to be wrapping up the Rome Masters with, as everyone definitely predicted, 100% champion Daniil Medvedev has won a Clay 1000 event. And if there's anyone that owes Daniil Medvedev an apology, it is definitely Marcus Smith. I was not that low on him. I thought he would win like one or two rounds every single time and be fine. But no way did I see him winning these. That's for sure. The fact that he was able to beat Sitsipas on clay is astonishing to me. To be fair, you and I both had him only winning a couple of rounds at any of these tournaments. Nobody, neither of us, I don't think anybody on this planet thought Daniil would make the final of Rome, let alone win Nowhere it. near it. And can I can I briefly, I would love to talk about his road to the final just for a moment, because this is an outrageous tournament for him. Let me let me go match by match here, Frankie. Uh, first round, he takes out Emil Rusevori, who is a great clay court player, uh, takes him out 6-4-6-2, routine. Then he takes out Spanish dirt baller seated number 31, Zapata Morales in three sets, 3-6-6-1-6-3. Then he takes out reigning French Open favorite from last year, Alex Zverev, before he busted his angle versus Nadal. Takes out Zverev for a, I think, third time in a row, second time now on clay, Frankie, if, correct me if I'm wrong, 6-2-7-6. And then takes out a scorching hot Yannick Hampfmann, who beat Fritz Cecinato, who's an amazing clay court player, especially in Rome, and Rublev in a row. Daniil disposes of them 2-2. Two two. Then he proceeds to own rent in uh own space and also rent in Stefano Sitsipas's head 7575 it was so bad that Stefanos had to tell his mother to stop speaking russian because Daniil was clearly picking up on it i mean this is just outrageous stuff and then he takes out uh and then he takes out Holger Rune again i mean what was the final score it was 7575 i mean and Holger Rune by the way has been playing some seriously good tennis and he, we're going to be talking more about him when we do our French Open episode coming up. Um this is just this is just silly. I mean he, I just saw a meme on Twitter Frankie where Yannick Sinner was joking with him like haha, you know, you won Miami, but we'll see how you do on clay. And then there's a picture of Michael Jordan and I took that personally. He clearly did. This is it. This is crazy. I don't know what to say. Yeah, I mean, there's actually a lot of different storylines I think that we could talk about from this, whether it's Novak getting bounced, Yannick Sinner, I think uh, really, really disappointing from him. Uh, I mean, another crap the bed from uh, 
FAA there also. I, I mean, just... How about Carlos losing to a guy ranked 135 in the world? Yeah, Carlos losing early. I, I mean, there's just so many different things that are going on with this tournament. That's really... We could, we could talk for a while about this. But to your point, I mean... Medvedev's road to win this proves that he is now a contender on clay which is really something that is astonishing to say, but it just has to be true, right? I mean, <clears throat> as Marcus sort of mentioned there, Holger Rune 100% deserves his flowers, and I'll just speak about him now because just to get it out of the way, Holger Rune is a legitimate threat on this tour. In my opinion, he is a top five player on the tour now. I think it's really, especially on clay, it's really hard to argue that he's not. I think that, he just has a really strong mentality and a really strong problem-solving skill set that allows him to play a bunch of different ways. And we touched upon this in Monte Carlo when we spoke about how against Jan, he really just like completely changed the way that he played and adapted to the weather. And that was another case of something that he did against Novak. He just came out and he just played Novak off the court. I mean, he just mentally outlasted Novak, which is a, I mean, that's got to be one of the most difficult things to do in all of tennis. So that sort of tells you everything you need to know about the kid. He is legit. He is somebody that's going to be a threat at Roland Garros. So shout out to him. Somebody who we've got to say also had a pretty good tournament is Casper Rude, who finally seemed to have a little bit of a breakthrough at one point in this tournament. There's a really fantastic tennis page that you should all check out. It's called Tennis Insights, I believe, is the at. They do like some of the next gen stats and stuff like that. And Casper Root has the high had the highest quality forehand and backhand uh, in this tournament at one point, which was just really a remarkable turnaround considering how bad he had been over the past few months. So happy to see him get back to where he probably belongs. Very curious to see how he does at Roland Garros, but. Yeah, I mean, the star of the show is Daniil. I mean, this is legit. This is a legit win. He beat a ton of really, really good guys. And if you're Stefano Tsitsipas, you are worried. Because, I, I mean, if you can't beat Med on clay, yikes. Like, you are screwed, my man. I feel like there's something that we also need to mention in terms of some of these guys losing early as well. And it was really fascinating because I heard this from Casper on the Tennis Channel cast uh, when he was getting interviewed. And he was so right. And I never had thought about it like this. But Frankie, I think overall, I think this is the deepest that the ATP tour has been in a very long time. Any day of the week, any guy can beat anybody. And we're seeing that week in, week out, which is why we have so many upsets. Uh, and I think we need to get used to it because this is the absolute deepest field. The talent is incredible. I mean, guys like Francisco Sarundolo, he's taken, he's been taking out guys for tournaments and we kind of slept on him. You know, we sleep on some guy from Hungary who takes out Carlos. I mean, we need to watch out for him now. I mean, every single day, there's no match where any of these guys can go out and say, you know what? I just need to play about like 70% and I'll probably win. That is no longer the case. This field is incredibly, incredibly deep. But Daniil is the star of the show. Frankie, we need to talk about what has changed for him since he was traditionally very poor on clay. And now all of a sudden, we've seen the progression from tournament to tournament kind of starting from Monte Carlo where it's like, okay, you know what? He's doing well. Madrid, okay. And then all of a sudden, Rome, it's like, 
I see the dude sliding, hitting loopy forehands down the line, like high over the net, using drop shots, sliding left, right, drop shots, uh, the variety, the spin. He's playing with so much more spin than we've ever seen Daniil hit on his forehand, especially. I mean, what have you noticed besides kind of what I just rattled off? I was about to say, I think you just hit the nail on the head. I mean, the big thing for me, and this is something in fairness, you know, we've noticed about him for a little while now. He his use of the drop shot has become an integral part of his game on hard court and on clay court. And I think that that has led to him really being a much more effective threat on the on a clay court, having that drop shot in the back. But to your point, I mean, the thing that you said, everything that you said is is just dead on. Right. Number one, the movement is just better. He's sliding. He knows how to get around. He's not uncomfortable. He doesn't look like a giraffe out there now so that's one two is the drop shots shortening the court using the verticality of the court and the north to south he was just not doing that before now he's doing it it's another dimension for him and then three is the variety right it's not only the drop shot it's loopy forehands it's defensive shots he's knowing how to use a clay court to his advantage and in fairness it's something that he always should have done right like his game if anything is built for clay courts he's got this defensive like walled up attitude he gets more and again shout out to tennis insights they're fantastic like he has more steel points than anyone else on tour by a mile i.e points that he should not win but ends up winning because of his defense and that for me is really you know where really what what Daniil is all about and and that translates well to clay all he needed to do was add the variety i.e the spin and add the movement and he did that so you know he's legit i mean it's really it's fantastic to watch to your point completely agree about the depth of the field we spoke about this actually if you remember at the u.s open 2022 where we went down and we said like one through 20 i could totally see all of these guys making a run i wouldn't surprise me we saw it live Yeah, I mean, we saw it live. All of them are just so, so good. And the talent is just so deep across the board. Uh, You know, it really reminds me of, you know, to be honest, right? If any of you are basketball fans, if you watch the NBA now versus watch the NBA like 20 years ago and like we were growing up, it's night and day. I mean, all of these guys are so sick, right? And like, it's the same thing in tennis. All of these guys are really, really good and have you know the capabilities to beat anyone on any given day so you know you you got to give daniel his flowers because he has low-key been the most consistent player in this clay season i I don't season overall he's won yeah he was outside the top 10 in february and has just rattled off five titles and has now won 20 different atp tournaments at 20 different spots He's never won the same tournament twice, which is incredible. Yeah. Obviously, this is his first clay court title, too. But this guy just gets it done wherever he goes. He doesn't care. Yeah. I mean, what I really admire about Daniil and why I'm such a big fan of his is that no matter what sort of like obstacle seems to be in his way, whether it's like mentally or physically, whatever, whatever it is that's thrown his way, the dude just knows how to win. You know, and there's just something to that, like, and like that's to get to Yannick Sinner now. Like, that's my criticism of him, man. Yannick just doesn't know how to win. Daniil knows how to win, 
you know, and and like that's something that Yannick's going to really have to work on because he should have won this tournament. The second that Carlos Alcaraz gets bounced, like you got to be the competitor and have that mindset of like, I'm going to take this tournament by like the throat, like I'm going to trounce everybody. This is my chance to win my hometown. Well, not quite hometown, but home country like tournament, like be the biggest win of his career. Finally gets the Masters 1000, like would go in, be one of the favorites for Roland Garros. And, you know, he just like kind of loses focus and bombs to Sarundalo. And it's like Sarundalo is a great player. Don't get me wrong. Really high quality clay court player, especially. But like, dude, you can't lose that match. You just can't. You just can't lose it. And and again, just to circle back, like Daniil knows how to win. And I don't know if there's a ton of guys on tour that really know how to just win like Daniil does. But damn, Daniil knows how to win. Yeah, and it's evident because there are other guys out there with way more talent, like a Jan. Like an I would I would personally I would say FAA has more talent than Daniil. Um, like no doubt, right? I mean, and to see how this guy just mentally day in, day out, he just he he's just he's a chess master, just knows how to get around the court, play to your weaknesses, his strengths to your weaknesses. It's just incredible, and it's something that you know we're gonna do a French Open preview, and that's gonna be a big one um, because this is the most wide open field. Obviously, that uh, Rafael Nadal is gonna be out, but. Frankie, we do need to touch on one more person really quick here uh, in terms of Rome and their performance. Novak Djokovic uh, lost to Holger Rune in three sets. Looked like he was in pretty good shape there. Uh, ended up ended up losing to Holger again. Um, and and I I want to give Holger credit because he, this is not a fluke. This man has beaten Nadal, uh, sorry Djokovic, multiple times. So he knows what he's doing, and especially on a clay court. And Holger needs to be respected in that sense. But what are your thoughts on Djokovic? What can we expect for the French Open for him? Are we concerned? You know, obviously a little bit of an elbow issue didn't look too bad this week. No, uh, the answer is I'm not concerned. And the reason that I didn't really speak about him in the same way that I just, you know, sort of went down on Jan is that Holger Rune's legit. Like, that's a legit loss. You know, like, Holger Rune's a really good player. Like, tough three sets. Okay. You know, like you could be excused for that. Can Holger Rune do that in five? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And that's that's a whole different question. I think Novak is going to be just fine for Roland Garros. Do I think he's the favorite? Mm, tough to say. I, don't think I think so. he's in the top five. I don't really think that he's the favorite. I would put Carlos as the favorite for right now. And I'd probably maybe even have Holger Rune in front of him, to be honest, just just because of how good Holger Rune has been. But yeah, I mean, Novak's in the top three for me. I put Novak third. So yeah, I think Novak will be fine. I, and again, five sets is a different animal. Yes, that is true. We do need to keep in mind that three out of five is a whole different beast. So yeah. Um, anything else we want to go over, Frank? Don't think we got much else. Yeah, I, I want to briefly, we've done unfortunately a bad job of mentioning the women's tour over the past few weeks. And I want to shout out and talk about Elena Rabakina and Arya Sabalenka and seemingly the fall of Iga Sviantek. I mean, she has now lost some of these Clay Masters 1000s where she was just racking up points last year. And 
Elena Rabakina has really asserted herself as arguably the best player on tour right now, along mm-hmm. with Sabalenka. You know, so they've got a really interesting little triumvirate going on on the WTA tour that has been very entertaining to watch. And in stark contrast to what Marcus and I were saying about how, you know, the the men's tour has like one through 20 is so deep, like any one of these guys could do it. I don't feel that way about the women's tour at all. Like, I think that the women's tour, the three ladies that I just mentioned, Sabalenka, Sviantek, and uh, Rabakina are head and shoulders above everybody else. You watch them play and you're like, they have got weapons that simply no one else does. So I I think that the women's side is going to be really, really interesting to watch. I'm very curious to see how Sviantek plays at Roland Garros because she's still the overwhelming odds favorite. Like she's in, the, I think she's like negative 160 to win the tournament, which is incredible. Like that's incredible odds to win. Um, but, you know, Sabalenka and Rabakina have sort of upped their games over the past year. And it feels like Sviantek has kind of just got a little bit, you know, I don't want to say arrogant because I don't think she's arrogant at all, but like complacent perhaps is the best word to describe it. Uh, yeah, I think she got quote-unquote punched in the mouth by the other two and hasn't been able to adapt her game yet since she's now playing against girls who are taller and hit the ball much harder than her uh, and who have kind of taken first strike tennis to another level whereas Iga prefers to rally a little bit more and get her teeth into a match but if these girls aren't her allowing her to do that Iga's going to run into problems. Um, I, I think I think at a Roland Garros, you know, I think she'll do a little better just because she'll have a couple of matches to work herself in, uh, and she won't have to face such a great opponent early on, so she can kind of grind, you know, work herself into things and see how you know. Again, the women's tour also, um, in terms of the top three, yeah, I think they're in a class of their own. But the rest of the field, I mean, anyone from like four to you know, 30, 40, 50 can kind of beat each other on every day too, which is yeah. making these tournaments wildly entertaining. Very true. Another person we got to talk about, and I want to, I'm doing it, be, putting you on the spot. Yelena oh Ostapenko has returned. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. She's had a couple great results. Uh, she got to the final here, if I'm not mistaken. Like she's playing some pretty good ball. Hey, this is a 2017 French Open champion we're talking about here. So you never know what might happen. She won that tournament unseeded too. So I, I wouldn't count her out. I wouldn't count her out. No, no. And again, it actually makes me happy to see Ostapenko returning to, you know, grace really, because I, I think that a big criticism that myself personally and others have is that there's so many like one slam flameouts on the women's tour that it makes it very frustrating to watch. So to see Ostapenko come back and have like a good, sort of revival here is a good thing for the women's game. Uh, it shows that there's that she's not just a fluke. Like she's a really, really talented player and she's yeah. adapted her game. She's playing completely different than she did six years ago. Yeah. And as she has to, as you know, the top competitors at the top of the game have moved on and now we've got new girls in there. So overall, really, really exciting stuff in Rome, despite all the rain, rain delays, but wow, what a tournament. Frankie and I were, were lucky to have witnessed it, and hopefully you guys too. So um, that's going to wrap it up for... Wait, uh, yeah, go wait, wait. Got I got one last thing, oh, okay? Boy. There was a poll on this on Tennis TV. Mm-hmm. What is the nicest, is the prettiest stadium 
outside of like a main court on tour. Like a center court doesn't count, like outside. Oh, well, I mean, it's Petra- P- Pietrangeli at Rome for me is the answer. That is stadium that the one is the statues. Yes, that stadium yeah. is awesome. Also, I got to say, the atmosphere in Rome, I, like depending on how many matches you caught, was electric. It oh, yeah. was off the chain. Especially if you got Italians like Lorenzo Musetti. Oh, Musetti man. was awesome. Yep. <laughs> I love him so much. <laughs> yep. There we go. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that'll, that now it'll do it for us. So, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back with you very soon doing some French Open previews, hopefully with some guests as well. Uh, and we're going to be, you know, covering the French Open extensively. That's going to be a really, really wide open field on both men's and women's. Frankie, I'm super excited. Hopefully you are too. Um, so we will catch you next time. And thank you very much for listening. Thanks, guys. See you next time.